Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. You were a com- you were a commuter. Yeah, you were commuting back and forth. You, you missed the proposal. Oh, yeah, I was I about to say, when did right. y'all get married and uh, all this? Yeah, thank you, Sana. I, I'll let, yeah, I will defer like to Sana on this. She has a better memory on these things. <laughs> okay, than I let's hear about the proposal. <laughs> um, stories stir the soul. Stories reveal and stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor, we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. Yes, and we're so excited to join you today. Hey, babe, I know you've heard this phrase before. And uh, yes, I'm setting up the the stage for the show. Y'all know how it goes. But absence makes the heart grow fonder. And we've experienced actually our our own times of distance and absence with individual travel and and even actually earlier in our marriage when we were living away but together. Uh, away but together. That's an mm-hmm. interesting phrase. I'm not <laughs> quite sure people understand that. But I think you, you're talking about when... I had a home and you had a home and we went back and forth uh, until Keegan graduated. That's correct. That's correct. Because, you know, it was complicated, but it, it worked. It, we yeah. made it work. Yeah. But we survived it. Praise God. You survived. Now, that's an interesting term that you would use. Survived uh-huh. it. Huh? Meaning like what? There was a lot. Are you trying to tell me? Something? No, I mean, it worked out. It was great. We ended up, you know, not just surviving, but thriving it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say thriving definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that lead into today? Well, (laughs) uh, it leads in because our guests have an interesting story. James and Sana Newcomb are, they're going to share not only their, their faith story and their, their love story, but how to keep love alive and thriving even while miles apart. I don't mean just like, you know, Todd and I were an hour apart. I'm talking thousands of miles apart. And uh, you want to share this interesting creative bio that, yeah, and I'm, that James? I'm, I, I am, I'm going to actually, this is kind of like a backstory. We asked James for a bio. And so I'm going to, so hang on, I'm going to read this because, and then you need to really listen carefully because yes. it's a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating story on how they met. So James and Sana, they met in March of 2019 after James left his email address on a scrap of paper in the beak of a courier pigeon which somehow ended up on a cargo ship from San Francisco headed to China. Now, the note with James's email address got caught up in a windstorm at the port of Xingdao. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but somewhere out there. And it landed precipitously on the football field at uh, BUV, where Sana was leading a group of amateur Tai Chi enthusiasts during their morning routine prior to beginning the day's courses. So now mistaking the email address for that of her local supplier of matcha green tea, Sana emailed immediately to refill her supply. James playfully went along with this dialogue for like several emails until finally revealing he indeed had no green tea to sell, but would be willing to share his undying devotion and commitment until the day of his death or her death, whichever comes first. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know how in the world God ever worked that up, but that's he's a fascinating. A, it is story. that he's in all the details. That God is amazing. Um, welcome, Sana and James, to your biggest breakthrough. Come on in. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be with you. So exciting to have you guys here. What a, a very creative, wonderful story. So this is mm. true, huh? One hundred percent true. Of course, yes. <laughs> hey, now listen, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you'll see there are three screens. So uh, once again, Son and James are not together. Yes, yes, <laughs> so yes, they are, are not together. miles apart. So uh, James, where are you at right now? And Sana, where are you at right now? I am at my home in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And Sana is at her apartment, our shared apartment when I'm in Vietnam, in uh, Eco Park, which is right outside of Hanoi, Vietnam. Yes, right. which is a beautiful area. I have um, looked on online and, and wow, it's beautiful. Well, we, we are so excited that you're here and we want to hear the real story. I mean, there may be some dabbles of some truth in there, but James, you're a creative writer and you are um, incredible in so many different ways. You actually help us with our podcast. And so we're grateful you help us with the editing and, and some of the creative show notes. Um, but we wanted to bring your story to light because it's it's unusual, it's unique, and yet I think it's going to offer our listener just a a, a, beak, a beacon of hope, actually, uh, within their own lives. Now, they may not be living separately from, from their loved one, but there may be some um, uh, ways in which they are distant, maybe in their political views or in the way that they raise children or whatever. There's some distance there. So how, how do we keep love alive and thriving while miles and miles apart? Let's hear your story first. Well, it, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, even though people live under the same roof, they're often living two completely separate lives. Mm -hmm. And I found myself in that situation. Uh, I was in a very, it was a marriage that uh, was, no one was surprised when we it was announced that we were going to be separating and eventually divorcing because we, we just, looking back, we, we never really became a, a true husband and wife. Mm. And so it was really on the heels of that. Um, we had recently separated and I was distraught. I was going through the various emotions that that one goes through when a long-time relationship has dissolved. And it was very, 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 really ugly to, thing to go through. But Asana and I met via a mutual friend. Uh, someone, the pigeon? <laughs> right, the pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a, a, a co-worker of Sana's when she was teaching at uh, a university in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, American, and now was in Virginia Beach, where I was. And we just, we, we haven't stayed in touch, but we I guess we stayed in touch long enough for her to see that maybe there was some co compatibility between myself and Sana. And so she just introduced us and basically said, James, I think you might like Sana. And she said, Sana, you might like James. And and we exchanged emails. Wait, wait, I've just got to stop you there, James, because so like what was your first reaction? I mean, you're, you've come from a broken marriage and it's not like you're out on the dating scene and somebody suggests to you, you might like maybe want to meet her. So what was your first reaction? Like, is somebody trying to set me up? Do I really need it? I mean, just emotionally and mentally, how did you react to that when someone was looking to get you introduced to, to, to sauna? Well, it, it, I was, I was in a state of mind where I was open to a new relationship because I have a son who's now seven years old and I, 
I didn't want my son to look at his parents and say, this is what marriage is. I didn't, wa- I didn't mm-hmm. want him to look at that brokenness and say, this is marriage. He's going to grow up thinking, you know, this is, this is what marriage is, and he's not going to want anything to do with it. You know, that's, that's, I, just, I commend you because I think that is sometimes overlooked when couples go through a tough marriage and end up divorcing. Um, it's tough to know how to put your child first. So, I, I, I mean, I just love the way you, you handle it. Now, I have to ask Sana, though. The same question, Sana, when this friend was uh, thinking you, it'd be good for you to meet James. What was your first reaction? Were you out looking for somebody? Were you waiting for somebody? What was that like? I, I pretty much, when I was uh, in my early 20th, kind of planned how I want my life to go when I am on uh, late 20, 30, and I'm becoming 40. And I always keep on telling to my mom and my sister, when I'm 35 to 40, I have to get married. <laughs> <laughs> and have my own kid ah, so um, okay. pretty much yeah I was really open because when I was already uh, early 30 years old I kind of felt like I have accomplished something in my life and uh, I'm ready to settle down I'm independent I have built whatever I was wishing for and um, it's time for me to have my children and have a husband. So, yeah, I was also ready. I would talk with my colleagues about it and uh, family members. Not everyday talk, but it was when the subject or topic came up, I would tell them, yeah, I think I'm now ready. That's good. All right. This is good. So, James, let's continue on with uh, the progression of the story. Sure. This is uh, getting to the meat of it. I love it. Well, I mean... What made me want to pursue a relationship, and and I'll, I'll get to the relationship with Sana specifically in a in, in a moment, but that was really what was a big motivator for me was to just set a proper example to my son and and show him this is how a man and a woman should really interact because he was not going to have that with his mother and myself if we had tr- if even if we had tried to make that marriage work quote, for the sake of the child, we would have done him a disservice by doing so. Mm. And so now that it was, for all intents and purposes, over, that was the biggest motivator for me to get back on the scene, so to speak, or or entertain the idea of another relationship was I wanted to set a good example to my son. Now, when I met Sana, our first conversation on the phone we had exchanged a few emails, and then we had a phone conversation. It was unremarkable. It was not memorable. <laughs> yeah. Sana, it's are you true. This? Unremarkable. Did, but did, did you guys, uh, before you actually met in person, did, did you share photos, too, so you kind of had a little mm. idea of what each other looked like? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is the 21st century time. <laughs> Yeah, hello. <laughs> I, I didn't know if you were trying to keep it like, like a mystery or a surprise. Or, all right, so you shared photos, you're sharing emails. and uh, uh, No, you're actually right, because I was a little bit reserved, and I was thinking, do, should I share my picture or uh, let a, my colleague or my friend, <laughs> you know, share some pictures? Because I'm from a culture where you don't openly talk with men and immediately share photos of you because you're a woman, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, let, let's put a pin in that real quick, Sana. So let's talk about your culture quick um, so people have an idea of, of your background. I was born in Iran. My mom is from Iran. My father is Indian. 
And um, of course, I'm a third culture kid because uh, my mom and dad, they live different countries. And uh, I have grew up with different settings, different backgrounds and cultures. Uh, but uh, even though I have been exposed to different cultures and different backgrounds, but I still deep down uh, believe in Persian culture. And I feel like there are some principles, standards and some nobility to Persian culture. And I want to carry it forward even to my kids and children, even to my stepson. Uh, yeah. And as mm -hmm. part of that, women are not supposed to have boyfriends or openly chat and talk with other men. But at the same time, like right, I said, I was right. educated in British and American schools and universities, and I'm open-minded person. And I was in an age where I have accomplished something in my life. So my parents would say, uh, she's adult, she can make decision on her own. We respect your decision and uh, off you go decide what is best for you and we support you. So it could have been a little little awkward to sort of getting used to that because of your cultural background. I love the term you use, Persian nobility. Man, could we use a dose of nobility in our, in our cultures today. All right, so James, let's go back to the story now. You're exchanging emails and uh, and, and photos and, uh, and where do things go from there? Our first video chat was about, I would say about a, two weeks or so after our first unremarkable phone call. That's when we really hit it off. I think we just we just stayed on the call for like four hours and neither of us wanted to leave. And I was in Virginia Beach. She was in Hanoi and it was night for her. It was morning for me. And I finally had to go to like a choir practice or something at the church where I attended. So I had to go. But I think it was that moment that I realized, man, you got to make getting this girl, your wife, your top priority. Wow. And she will tell you, I was the master salesman. I stayed in her head, would not get out of her head, and I would not leave any room for any potential suitors to show any interest or allow her to show any interest in them. And how did you do that, James? Yeah, how'd you stay in her head? <laughs> because there might be somebody listening to it. Yeah, I, I kind of like need that, that strategy. I need strategies. <laughs> Every time I would pick up my phone, I would just send a little message on WhatsApp saying, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. You're amazing. The equivalent of whispering sweet nothings into a woman's ear. The point was to, to stay on top of mind in her in her mind. And seeing how I'm in the podcasting field, I started a private podcast feed for her, her ears only. I think that more than anything brought us together. And we do our own little podcast now for three listeners, and they like it. And but <laughs> but more 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 importantly, it it brings us together. And we've had to rely on not the physical uh, touch and the physical presence for, I would say, half of our marriage and probably half of our relationship has been from a very long distance. I have to say, all of a sudden, I just kind of got hit with um, you talking to Sana and, and having a private podcast channel and you, you hearing Sana, um, James, in your ear. It's so much like God speaking to us. I mean, not you, James, being God, but you know what I mean? Like he, he wants that intimate relationship with us. And, and the, the auditory way is, is 
I mean, when we're, we're still and we're quiet and we can really hear God's mm-hmm. voice, right. it's, it's so beautiful, right? And you do become more intimate when you are, are hearing in that mm-hmm. fashion. And so I think that's interesting, James. Sana, how, how did you respond to James? Um, <laughs> Sweet I mean, nothings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a little bit too much. <laughs> uh, sometimes I was working and I felt like, um, why continuously? It's coming, the message. But uh, to be honest with you, uh, all those really help. The really striking point where I thought I'm really in love with James is I have observed him really closely and how he take care of his son, the love he has for his son. In that Mm. moment, I told myself, um, I am soon to become 40 years old. I'm going to have at least a couple of kids with him, (laughs) the person I'm going to marry. And uh, who knows, uh, God can one day come knock the door and say, Sana, your time is up. And I need to have somebody whom I can trust who will be able to take care of my kids and be a you know, stronghold that I can always cling to. Uh, and James showed that through how he cares for Gabriel and uh, how he's committed to his relationship with him. I think that's beautiful because that's a common ground for what brought you two together was Gabriel, really, and the way in which James wanted to show Gabriel a healthy relationship. And then you seeing him interact with Gabriel just made you even fall more in love with him. Sorry, and one more thing I I want to mention. uh, Even before me and James, we started talking, it was uh, there is this music called, uh, honey, what is it? Ode to Gabriel something? Uh, Gabriel's oboe. All oh, right, Gabriel's oboe. Uh, I I kept on listening to this song music over and over again, and when I met James, when James said my son's name is Gabriel, it kind of made me just quiet. It feels like God was telling me there is a Gabriel name gonna come to your life, and you're going to love each other and enjoy your company. And it is true, me and Gabriel, we, are, we have this special relationship only from far on the phone, camera. And um, I can say I am really emotional and attached to this kid already. Aww. Wow. That's sweet. This is such a great, great story. And it's so unique and it's so different because the reality is uh, when most people meet, it, this is just my observation. It, it, it would appear that the physical overtakes the what's flesh. on the inside. Mm-hmm. The two of you never had that opportunity. And so how well, they long- did exchange photos. It, yeah. <laughs> 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 but you had to fall in love with what was on the inside much more than what was on the yes. outside. And I, James, maybe address that for a little bit because it's so backwards from the way most couples, you know, meet and progress in the relationship. Well, actually, Sana might actually have some interesting thoughts on this because our own—I just heard your yes, last our podcast, own podcast. By the way. It's good. We just did an episode, and it was on the topic of arranged marriages because that's still some, that's still a common practice in many parts of the world. And I have come to realize that in the United States or the Western civilization, we often get it wrong when it comes to. The, the priorities in which we should uh, find uh, that the what we should think is compatible or attractive in a person. Obviously, everybody, if you're watching this YouTube, you can see obviously Sana is a very attractive woman. She's very pretty. She's very beautiful. Uh, but what I fell in love with wasn't it, it wasn't an attractive figure. Uh, 
It wasn't a beautiful face, although I could see it was beautiful. But what I really fell in love with was what I what was what I was able to interact with, and that was her personality, her sense of humor, her just very a, a serious nature, but definitely doesn't take herself too seriously. And I, I just, it's just one of those things. Men know, like women don't always know until later, but men just kind of have this sixth sense when they know that they've found the right woman. And I just, it's just, it was just inside of me and said, I don't know how exactly, but this woman is going to make my life better. And, um, it's, it's worked out. The, the helpmate, the suitor. Yes. The, yeah. I mean, that, in that, this season, that, yeah. that term in the, in Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, that when God said, I'll make a helpmate suitable, that that terminology really is fascinating because it really does mean something along the lines of that the mate will fill in the gaps, uh, and so you, we have that opportunity in marriage. But I want to just—we're really anxious to hear what happened, you know, when you physically met. But before we get there, it just occurs to me that there are again because we're a little bit backwards in the way we end up in in marriage. Oftentimes it's the physical first, and then you right. start to learn to develop an appreciation for what's on the inside. And yet it doesn't seem backwards here in the States because that's the way it's been for so long. Exactly right? true. Mm-hmm. So what happens in a marriage, though, this is what I want to kind of get at with you guys. Um, when a couple has been this, this, there's this physical attraction, they get married, bells and whistles and fires are burning, everything's going great. And it lasts for you know a year, mm-hmm. maybe two mm-hmm. years. <laughs> And then that stuff begins to wear off a little bit. It becomes like too familiar. Now what? Can you can you set, shed some light on how do you dig down deep inside of the other person so that you can have a real deep appreciation and love for what's on the inside? And respect mm-hmm. and honor. Because there are a lot of couples that are missing that right, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, an, a, another thing that I that I found attractive in sauna in our first. Uh, the first months that we were speaking was that she was so different from the stereotypical American woman. And I, I don't mean this to be disrespectful to, to American women at all, uh, but I, I, I think that American women uh, are a little bit too individualistic in their thinking, especially when it, in, in their approach to marriage. I think that they think I am, I have my own rights and I have my own, uh, my own opinions and, what the what what often happens is that you have a marriage where it's two separate individuals who are legally married and they live in the same place they share the same domicile but they haven't really become one they haven't become one flesh and this happens in and out of the church and what i saw in in sana was someone who who is not going to have that mindset in her approach to marriage she i i saw someone who is going to be submissive, who is going to be respectful of the man. And by submissive, of course, I don't mean sit down in the corner of the room, woman, and get back to your knitting, nothing like that. Yeah, because I was going to say, because I do know Sana, and Sana is highly intelligent. She does have her own opinions. But what you're saying, James, because I, I just don't want the listener to to take this differently, that... Um, you know, because you are an individual, Sana, um, and and I know you have a strong personality. But the fact that you come together as one and you're you're mutual in the in the order uh, in ways of which your relationship operates, right? So it's it's God, husband, yeah. So 
um, you, you, you submit. Yeah. And, and it's in a beautiful way and you can still do that and be a strong woman. And so I think that that's, that's good. Mm -hmm. James is a very, um, faithful person. Um, I don't know if you guys know that he has been to seminary and I always hoped and wished that he comes and say, I am a pastor. <laughs> that was the very first thing I asked him. Are you a pastor? And he was like, no. <laughs> I love the fact that, that, that you were, you were honing in again on the character traits, uh, that were beginning to surface as you spent time together, you know, conversing and getting to know each other and, uh, and growing more deeply in love without having the advantage of being physically together. So that, that is, uh, that is so not just commendable, but it's inspiring for those who are in a marriage right now where, where the outside stuff has just sort of worn thin and you're wondering, what do I hold on to in this marriage? And James and Sana are great examples of what you do is you go inside the other person to really learn who they are and fall in love with those character traits that, that are rising to the surface that, uh, that not only benefits you, but benefit the others around that person. Okay. Can we, can we get to the, the big moment? Now, how long were you in this kind of relationship and where, where did, where did things go? Well, we met in March of 2019 and then I flew to Hanoi in August of 2019 for the first time. So you had a number of months just developing this relationship apart. Yes. Uh, you know, and, apart physically. Uh, I, I spent about six weeks in Hanoi uh, and then came back to Virginia um, and then went back to Hanoi in January of 2020. And you might recall that that was the beginning of this little virus. I don't know if you heard about it. COVID. Have you heard of it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, about that, it. that kind of put a wrinkle in my plans to come. I was going to be there for about two, maybe two and a half months. Um, that ended up, ended up being seven months just because it, it just seemed so crazy with everything going on. I ended up staying there, which was a blessing in many regards. And then I came back to Virginia for about five months in 2020 and then went back to Vietnam in uh, January of 2021, came back here in August of 21. So, uh, yeah, the last two years. You were a, com you were a commuter. Yeah. yeah. Commuting back and forth. You, you missed the purpose. Oh, yeah, I was I about wanted, to say, when did right. y'all get married uh, and all this? Let's, yeah, let's, thank you, Sana. <laughs> I will defer to Sana on this. She has a better memory on these things than okay. I do. Let's hear about the proposal. <laughs> um, so James came back in January 2020. It was um, 2nd mm -hmm. January, I think. Yeah. So uh, we were just hanging around and I just finished washing the dishes. I came, sat with him and I was telling him that uh, I have to stop wearing gloves because my hands are sensitive to the dishwashing liquid. And he was like, let me see your hand. And he was like, oh, honey, this looks bad. Is it painful? And I said, yeah, sometimes it is. And he was like, I have something that makes it, <laughs> you know, that make the pain go away. And then he brought the ring and put it on my wow. finger. <laughs> it was just that. Well, well you, you were waiting for that moment <laughs> for a long time, James, for that, that scenario to play out. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, it was the biggest surprise for me because nobody would think right. he's going to propose it that way. Oh, I love it. I love it. Very creative. Very creative. I had the ring in my hand and that just, that scenario just, it was kind of gifted to perfect. me. <laughs> so it just, just worked perfect. out perfectly. That's so good. I'm guessing the, the two of you had an anticipation of this is where things were headed. I'm guessing you talked about it ahead of time. Uh, and so now the, the moment has arrived. Uh, Sana, you're, uh, you're being asked if you will, you know, if you will marry James 
and talk a little bit about what you guys were thinking and feeling, especially as you thought about the reality, you're going to actually spend the rest of your lives together. And yet you're still going to be separate. You both knew that was coming, right? So how did that play? But Todd, let me tell you, it was not asking whether you will uh, marry me. It was like, oh. hey, woman, <laughs> you have no choice but to Drag marry you me. by the hair and pull uh, you with a <laughs> club. Caveman style. That's confidence. And then the courier pigeon came into the room. And- <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Solved it all. Oh, goodness. So you're anticipating spending this life together, but you knew a separation was still ahead of you because James had to come back to the U.S. Sana wasn't able to come. So how, how did you walk through and talk through that? Because you weren't able to get your visa and it's been a long time working on that. The first year of our marriage was unlike the first year of any marriage. I, I can go on a limb and say our first year of marriage was very, very different. We, um, we got married in Taiwan in January of 2020, came back to Vietnam, and there was this whole process of getting your your marriage legalized in Vietnam. And because of COVID, we, like, we were supposed to get a, a health check or, of some sort or a mental health check to make, I guess, that's what the way they do it there. They make sure that oh. you're not crazy. That's just, that's just their procedure. But we couldn't get into any of these hospitals to do any of this stuff because all the hospitals were closed off for COVID. We had uh, someone that we had trusted who had befriended us said that she would help us get our marriage license in Vietnam. And she was going to do all the translating for us. And, and she, it turned out that she was taking advantage of us trying to get more, get money, like thousands of dollars for, for us, which she was going to pocket. We ended up finally getting someone who does some work for our, our visas and getting our, our, um, our, some of the stuff with our passports. She just, Three weeks later, she gets she gets us our marriage license, and so we're dealing with all of this, all of this betrayal, all of this uh, adversity, and then it's finally time to start with the process of applying for the visa to for her to reside in the U.S., which in and of itself is a very long process. And so we're coming up on our two year anniversary, and the first two years of our marriage. Uh, on the external side of things has been tumultuous. It's just been one storm after another. But the strength of our relationship is that we, we just ride the wave. We just keep going. Like every morning, I send her a message saying, good morning. Same thing with her. She, she'll just call her in the middle of the night. Honey, I'm thinking about you. We talk on the phone every day, video chat whenever possible. And so in spite of all of this crazy external stuff going on, our marriage and our relationship has, has only grown stronger in spite it's of beautiful. it. beautiful. Yeah, because so many cannot say that uh, in the midst of their, their troubles and turmoil. They focus on the problem instead of uh, keeping God mm-hmm. first and uh, keeping your eyes fixed on mm-hmm. him and then each other and getting uh, each other through the, the situation. So I think that's a beautiful testimony. It sounds like um, a lot of what is responsible for that is this this absolute 100% sold-out commitment to each other and to your marriage so that as you stay sort of unified in that certainty that we are going to be together and we're going to continue loving and growing in that love, it actually begins to happen. So, so you, you, you have that, that huge advantage that, again, uh, I think when adversity hits marriages – it's easy for couples to begin to start to wonder 
whether or not I've got the right person or how do I get through all of this. The two of you seem to go the opposite direction, that when adversity hits, you draw closer together, you draw from one another's strength. To talk a little bit, where, where does faith and your relationship with God, where does that fit in with all of this for each of you? Uh, apart from waking up in the morning and just sending a message, uh, good morning, or give, us, give each other a call, we also um, try as much as possible nice. to have our daily devotion together. So uh, every morning uh, after we get up, we will get prepared and uh, we choose a passage in the Bible, we read it, and I always ask James, you're the pastor, you have to <laughs> kind of analyze and elaborate it. And he does it. There you go, Sana. I mean, he's head of the house. So you he gotta has come to up with read. something. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's how it goes. Sana will like open up her Bible to just some random space in uh-huh. First yeah. Chronicles, right? And then she'll say, okay, read this, James, and I'll, and I'll read it. And then I'll finish whatever, and she'll say, "Okay, what does it mean?" You're like, well, gotta go before. I don't and know. After it. Yeah, it means that Rahul begat <laughs> Jehoshaphat, who begat this. Song. That's what it means. I don't, what do you yes, want from yes. me? Stay in the Book of Leviticus with him. See what, see what he comes up with. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 I think uh, we did and, it actually. And the Book of Numbers that'll be a challenge. So the the core of what seems to be. Um, really working is that you're putting God in the center and you're starting the day off together, mm. both worshiping and praising him. First fruits. Now you've got, you've got some cultural differences, obviously. And do you have some, you have James some, says with a giggle, <laughs> yeah. do you have some, do you have some religious differences too? Like what are your, what are your backgrounds? Just sort of quickly, James, how did you come to faith? And then Sana, how did you come to faith? Actually, our backgrounds are, are more similar than sure. one might expect. She has a background in Assemblies of God. And my background, when I was in the military in the late uh, mid-90s, I got involved with a church that was, I guess you'd call it Pentecostal. I've since gone with other churches such as Presbyterian, uh, Messianic Judaism. As far as our faith is concerned, it's actually rather, it's probably of the external things, it's one of the more uh, things that were more the most compatible. That's awesome. And you guys also both have uh, a love for music as something that you're compatible about. I mean, James, you played the trumpet in the military. You still play the trumpet at different um, church events. I, I don't know. You're yeah, and you even have a podcast um, around your just interviewing different trumpeters and yeah, all that. You guys do something every day um, from what you mentioned in your bio here that you listen to John Michael Talbot every morning. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, we would do that when I was over there. Talk about that a little bit. Some folks aren't familiar with who that is and and what the benefit is if, for each of you in doing that. Well, John Michael Talbot is a uh, Franciscan. Uh, he, it's Catholic. I can't remember what sect of the Catholic faith it is, but he's a wonderful singer just fantastic musician and one album in particular called table of plenty we would just play every single morning there's just something about that album it's got uh, be not afraid it's got the uh i can't remember all the songs right now but there's just something about that one album that just brought so much peace so much serenity into our house and we would just every single morning we'd basically listen to the album as we were doing our stuff getting ready for the day Neither of us are Catholic, but um, that man had a really, it was a real blessing for us. I love hearing that. Um, the power of really setting the the tone for yeah. environment and, mm-hmm. and 
for your relationship and just with, with music and with, with God's word and, you know, we, we, life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? So, yes. so how you're, you're coming and showing up together as a couple um, with, with words that are speaking life over your life is beautiful. And I believe that that continues to solidify you both uh, in this, in this marriage. So what would you say? Oh, you have, no, go ahead. No. Yeah. Okay. I, go ahead. I was just curious about something because uh, I, it's, it's real obvious that the two of you, you hone in on the things that you have in common, starting with your faith and you build upon those things. But adversity is adversity and differences are differences and you're not compatible in every single thing. You've got cultural background differences and, and other things going on. So we're, we're getting the idea of how you handle those things that you can celebrate that you have in common. What do you do about those things that are different between the two of you? Do you, do you talk about them? Do you try to work some of that through? Do you sort of turn aside and just continue to focus on the things you have in common? How do you handle that? Because there are a lot of couples listening who say, "I." so if I had to put a ledger sheet together, I'd have like three things that we can celebrate together on this side. And then like 49 things that I don't like about that other person because we're just too different on it. How do you handle those differences? Oh, mockery. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of fun at each other's expense. Ah, okay. Uh, she, so humor, humor. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I like can relate to that. Our, our our kind of running joke is that she's this Persian queen, and I'm I'm the dirty American. <laughs> and that's and that's just a running that's joke. Perfect. It's no yeah. disrespect. You could to do a, a whole fun sitcom uh, podcast around yeah, that. No like, disrespect to who? Right. Our our running joke is that between the two of us, we speak eight languages, and people will ask, "Well, how, what languages do you speak, James?" And I'll say English. <laughs> Kasana, yeah. Yeah, she's highly educated. So if there's one thing that has brought, I don't know if tension is the right word, but highlights the differences between us, it's definitely the cultural things, uh, different expectations that both of us have when it comes to marriage. She has certain things that she was raised to believe. This is the way that a man treats a woman, and I wasn't raised that way. And so we've had to so she's teaching you. Yeah, she's yeah, she's teaching me a lot, <laughs> believe me. And so we've had to um just have a spirit of understanding and grace and and just I want to know what she expects and what makes her happy and what makes her feel treasured and loved. But I don't I don't I didn't know that. I I didn't yeah. I came into this ignorant of what she expects with her cultural expectations. I think in, in most marriages, people come into uh, the relationship ignorant, not knowing, uh, you know? And so that's the whole point of us having this conversation uh, is to get to know one another on a deeper, um, uh, intimate level. And so Sana, with um, uh, you being highly educated and, y- you know, you, you are you're teaching, you're doing all these wonderful things in the community. And I mean, can you tell just a, tell us a little bit um, what maybe some of your friends think of of your your and James marriage and, and how you're handling it all? You know, I am uh, I'm the kind of person I don't really let uh, even best friends or family to really comment on my marriage life because I think it's really personal. And if me and James have a little bit maybe maybe bitterness or something that you know he calls cultural difference are in our expectation and stuff i would rather handle it together with him than share with anyone else so Mm. pretty much people around me colleagues friends and everybody they look at us as kind of a perfect couple (laughs) 
I, I love that you're saying yeah. that right now yeah. because that is honor and that is respect, Sana. So um, I'm glad that, uh, honestly, the Holy Spirit just kind of had me ask that question because it's not on our list. But I think so many people um, turn to others and say, well, what do you think? And and others are like, well, we just want you to be happy or, you know, whatever advice that's not solid. And, and the fact that you guys do it together with God and and deal with it yourself is really healthy. So wait, I think wait, there can be a, there's almost a sacredness mm-hmm. to the privacy within a marriage. And uh, love the fact that you make that decision with each other, that you've got some issues. We'll talk this through uh, within our circle of marriage and uh, we'll leave others out because others' opinions can really sway. Yeah, others don't live our life. And uh, when couples go through things, there are so much little pieces happening between them that others cannot understand it. So when they share their opinion, they relate to their president issues that happen in their life, or they have experience with their friends or family member, and they think that's the right way to deal with it. But no, I'm not that kind of a person. I was independent since I was 18, 19 years old. And I told my parents, even if I'm a girl, I can do it myself. So if I could do it myself, after 20 years, I'm getting married to somebody from different culture, I still can do it. I can bring that perfect marriage to my husband's life. And I would not like anybody to disrespect him, even if he does mockery or whatever happened between me and him. I still think we can work it out together and make that perfect marriage for our kids. I think that is like a perfect way to wrap this up. Well, because and this is why James calls her the Persian queen. <laughs> exactly. She really, truly, has got, she has got wisdom. Yes, uh, lots of wisdom. So you guys, as you work through these things, you're setting great examples and challenges for all of us. You use humor to address some of the issues. Um, stop taking everything so seriously. Keep your marriage private. I love that part mm-hmm, of it because it's mm-hmm. so easy to go blabbing to everybody and try to gain Especially support. Especially with social media. And are you kidding You're me? You're showing that, great yeah. respect and honor for your spouse. And then uh, obviously communication is a big key for you guys because you, you don't have the luxury of sitting next to each other holding hands. You've got to communicate digitally, but you do it on a really regular, faithful, devoted basis. And you talk through things. I love that. Yeah. And you've got your devotions together and the music, all of that, that is, it's kind of that, the things that uh, are stacked that have, have supplied you with a a solid relationship. So I just love who you guys are. You're both just, um, um, James, you're very dry sense of humor. (laughs) Both of y'all are very witty and um, you make me smile and we'd love uh, listening to your podcast as well. It's a lot of fun. We're we're two of the three that listen. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who is that one? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Yeah, I do too. We'll find out. So those that want to check out your podcast, where would they uh, find that? Jamesandsauna.com. Jamesandsauna.com. Yes. And it's uh, S-A-N-A. James and Sana. And then uh, your other podcast, James, uh, the the trumpeter. Oh, sure. If there's any trumpeters out there that want to learn more and appreciate what they're doing, it's trumpetdynamics.com. Just a weekly yes. show. It's a hobby. I enjoy doing it. Yeah. All right. Someone is wondering, well, they seem like such a wonderful couple. Are they ever going to be able to actually live together? What is the yeah. current status? Because some folks may want to pray for you guys and yes. just get a little heads up on where things are headed. Yeah, well, we're I'm working on the website to uh, get people uh, aware and apprised of our situation if they want to follow it. The website is under construction as we speak, but by the time this goes live, it'll be 
it'll be functional. But right now we're kind of playing cat and mouse with the National Visa Center in Vermont. And they're mm-hmm. basically asking for documents that they already have. And then you wait a period of weeks and then they ask for another document that they already have. And so that's a challenge in and of itself, dealing with uh, the government and the speed at which they move. We expect it will be approved. I don't expect there's going to be any obstacles or any, uh, there's going to, there's not going to be any doubt of the sincerity of our marriage once we actually have this this interview at the consulate in Ho Chi Minh City. But we just have to wait. And so yeah. I'm here taking care of business that has to get taken care of. She's over there. This is just where we're at. It's the the hand we've been dealt and we're just playing it. Well, it's it's a beautiful love story yeah. and it's it offers hope for those that may uh, even have a, a relationship where maybe someone travels for a living quite a mm. bit or whatever, that you can still grow deep in love and, and have intimacy even while on the road. Mm-hmm. And so there's always hope. And I just I just love you both. And we, we wish you both um, the best. And we pray for y'all and believing and standing in the gap with you that this is going to happen quickly, quickly, <laughs> quickly, that um, that you get this visa sauna and that you two are, are united and then we can all have a big party. Yes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Well, we appreciate your support, and uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, watching you two grow in your show over the last year or so. Thank Congratulations you. Well, God to you bless guys. You both. Your, yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. And uh, those of you listening, uh, if, if you enjoyed the show, please give it, uh, you know, a like and, and, and maybe share uh, with someone else because. Uh, James and Sana's story might just resonate with with you or someone that needs to listen. So thank you for tuning in and uh, we appreciate you. We'll catch you next time on Your Biggest Breakthrough. So glad you could join us today and you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.